0: Crotoc, Crotoc, film squawk. Midsummer, written and directed by Ari Aster, 2019. Still coping with a personal tragedy, an American student accompanies her longtime boyfriend and his college buddies to a bucolic Swedish village, where they become the focus of a pagan cult's insidious solstice festival. <gasps> <gasps> oh, hello, Cassidy. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> <Ooh. gasps> Hello. <laughs> oh, are you ready to talk about Midsommar? Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. So let's start with some yays. Why should listeners go see Aster's new folk horror
1: film Midsommar? I feel like mine's a bit shallow, Cassidy here, <laughs> the shallow <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> The visuals is my yay. The visuals, pastels and flowers. Go see this
2: film if you love folklore and fairy tales and want to feel
0: strange. I have two, and one of them kind of meshes both of yours together. My first, yay. The cinematic design made it impossible to look away. Uh, Even the grotesque gore. And brutal sacrifices somehow maintained, uh, I don't know, a certain Baroque beauty for me. So I really enjoyed that aspect. Uh, and number two,
1: all the dick. Oh my God. How is that not so one of good our <laughs> yays? Good dick. There was a I lot of dick. You relied on me and it. trusted
0: me.
2: We trusted you to bring, to bring it on the home. Dick. Yeah, yeah, to bring the knew knew dick. It. We <laughs> knew you'd bring Michelle's that. Michelle's
0: bringing the dick. So, okay. How about nays? Reasons listeners should maybe stay home. Avoid. Avoid the solstice festival.
1: My nay is the same as my yay, and it's the visuals, though I do see what you're saying there, Rochelle, and I respect that, I get it, but wow, visceral. Mm. I feel like I say that a lot with horror films, like it was a little too visceral for me. I think I did that with High Life too, anyway. (gasps) (gasps) My
2: nay would be that it could
1: be triggering for
2: some people, particularly how it handles mental illness and also that I wasn't an extra in that film. I'm pretty bummed out about that. <laughs> it's a
0: big nay for Stacey. Wow. <laughs> can you imagine being <laughs> an extra? We, we, yeah. We, well, I can see that you that there. That would be amazing. We're too brunette. Yeah. We were a little like... We wouldn't There were brunettes. There, there were, were brunettes, brunettes. At
1: the end. Yeah, whatever. Let's They go. came out of the woodwork. <laughs> they did. To like scream. Uh,
2: Inga. She was a brunette,
1: right? Way to retain the names. Is my response to that. (laughs) That is not a nay. That is a total yay, retaining those
0: names. (laughs) Uh, And my nay, for me, once we finally got there, once we finally arrived in this rural, Swedish, idyllic oasis, once we finally got there, uh, it really hit me that... We didn't know a lot about the characters, and in some of my reading, it helped me unpack that concern. Uh, outside of Danny, um, we just didn't really know a whole lot about what the trials and tribulations, or even just the inter- internal worlds, were for these for these men specifically. Um, and I, I think that that was a, a big miss, considering how deeply enmeshed we are in the family. Hierarchy and the demons that are possessive in Hereditary, and it was such a win for me. That was one of my favorite parts of Hereditary, Astor's last film. And so I, I felt that the lack of depth and characterization in uh, Midsummer led to it being less than it could have been. And so much was left off screen, and so much was relied upon uh, the viewer to piece together that ultimately what you, you know, what you walk away with is a, a visually progressive folk horror film. It's a meaty neigh. Yeah.
2: Mm. <sighs> Bury it in some dirt. <laughs> Sprinkle some egg yolk on it. <laughs> Sprinkle? Sprinkle <laughs> with egg <laughs> yolk. Yeah. Is that a thing?
0: That's what they did in the movie, remember? I didn't know it was egg They yolk. buried meat and then she
2: threw an egg. She
0: cracked an egg in it. Oh, when they were, the fertility harvest. Yeah. Mm. When he was getting some nookie. <laughs> so if you haven't <laughs> figured it out, we're definitely deep into uh, spoilers territory. Oops.
2: <laughs> yeah, so- deep in it, just like he was... In a Venge.
0: <laughs> so broad terms here, broad, broad concepts, cults. Mm-hmm. cults. cults. We're, on, we're on a cult frenzy right now in media, huh? We are. I feel like this sort of comes in waves throughout time.
2: Like the last big one was The Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. 70s. The 70s. And then it did have a really weird remake there for a second <laughs> with Nicolas Cage, Aww. I think. But... Um, yeah, I'm always ready for a good pagany, culty, something weird like that. Like I think I like it too much. I'm worried that I could have been in a cult. I totally agree. And every, every time I say that, I'm always tentative and then whoever I'm telling that to who knows me is like profusely shaking their head oh. affirming what I just said. So what does that mean? But I didn't mean you,
0: I meant me. Like oh. I genuinely yeah, I think yeah. I could have Yeah, I think been I would have done very well. Too. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, it, is, is it you the like family part? World? <laughs> Maybe. So I mean, like, I don't, yeah. I'm not
2: down with all the murder, <laughs> but like the idea of this group of people just like feeling each other's pain and joy at the same time. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. No, not for Cassidy.
1: Cassidy does not want to be in a cult. good day. Good day, sir. Good day. Yeah, we would have rolled into that situation and I would have been like- rolled right out. I got (laughs) to go.
0: I've seen some- And then they would have murdered me. (laughs) Some of the more recent shows or films, like, I've seen some, but I haven't seen all. Like, I've not seen Wild Wild Country. (gasps) I haven't watched that and I haven't- (gasps) I don't even know if Charlie Says that film is out yet, but I I haven't. Charlie Says, I think, did come out, but-
1: that sounds like have had a really limited Is that release. About Charles
2: Manson? Yeah. That one sounds like yeah. too scary. It looks good I'm because scared. it's from the point of view of the women.
0: Which the the, the girls that book oh. that came out a couple years ago 2016 was based on it was a fi- fictional um, take from the woman's perspective mm-hmm. in Charles Manson's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that one's so scary. I mean, tricky. I guess all cults are scary, but
0: Well, I mean, I I appreciated And there are different types of cults, obviously, Uh, but I appreciated Going Clear, the Scientology. Oh, yeah. That one was really good. I even enjoyed, it kind of freaked me out, the, is it Jesus Camp? Oh, yeah, that one from, like, the early 2000s or 2006 or something. Oh, yeah, well,
1: of course I did, and it was creepy. You're going to love Wild Country. (laughs) I can't believe you, (sighs) man. Like, you're going to love it.
0: I think I just, I think I just uh, haven't found the right moment to to dive into that it's very interesting i love all the cult action in riverdale <laughs> i'm behind Do, I, on my okay. riverdale I season, got season three oh, Se- you okay. guys season three so even Stacey's really like, mainstream teen addictive as hell shows Cult-y. are utilizing the, the cult angle uh-huh. uh-huh everybody is true blood season two
2: my favorite season <laughs> that had Some pagan-y stuff going down, and it was so good. And it's got that actress. Shoot, I can't remember her name. She's so amazing. She nailed it in the cult world. She nailed it. She was like that. Was like voodoo, uh, cult intersection. Mm. That was good with a sprinkle of
1: vampires. Hello, (laughs) match made in heaven. That's
0: been the the thing I was noticing. That you know, this is all this resurgence of cult behavior. We saw that before, but it was always married with the mythic. It was always married with right. with vampires or werewolves. Or you know, when I looked up cult te- television shows and movies online, it immediately took it to mean like cult fanatic yeah. shows, like Buffy or the occult. Uh huh. Right. Whereas, I mean, it was prevalent in all of those shows as well. Um, pagan cult-like behavior, um, but now we're seeing it come through and just breakup movies apparently. <laughs> I know. I know. This was a breakup movie.
1: Such a nuanced breakup movie. Do you not agree that it was a no, breakup movie? No, it was. Movie? I just am like so impressed that you both are calling it a breakup movie. That's right what now. Ari like, Aster calls it. Oh. He's like,
2: I consider this a breakup movie. Oops, and I guess no he had an experience um, where he heard a significant significant other being <sighs> intimate with someone else. And so that moment inspired this film. Yeah, oh, he has his so own It's
1: about pain. Terrible, wow, pain like pain that gross pain. And you can feel that gross, like nauseating pain the entire time.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Of like relationship pain, like someone's drifting away.
2: You I like, mean it's feel it. It's what trauma comes from trauma, you know? It that domino effect of whatever is going on in your life that can't help but spread and I guess taint the relationships
0: that you have. Which I thought was handled very well. Um, the mental illness piece, speaking of trauma specifically, because there are layers here. And Danny supplies the layers, in my opinion. Obviously, she's navigating an extremely difficult family situation and has been, you know, experiencing a lot of secondary abuse uh, from her sister, who mm-hmm. was bipolar. And then murder suicides. The whole damn fam, except for Danny. And we, of course, get the other side. Her boyfriend, surrounded by his buddies, sitting in a bar. Them telling him he needs to break up with her because she's not cool enough. Needs to find a girl who likes to have sex. And here she is trying to navigate this incredible anxiety, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. For her sister to kill herself, never imagining that she'd also take her parents. Ugh. Man,
2: that scene of her on the couch... Like,
0: hmm.
1: yeah,
2: that's what it looks like. It's intense trauma. They just nailed it.
1: Yeah, she was amazing.
0: And for me, through the rest of the film, there was always the presence of that unresolved trauma. But there is also simultaneously the presence of the unresolved trauma within her relationship. And we definitely see uh, Christian, her boyfriend, wanting to break up with her but still having care for her in in some way, but not necessarily enough care to actually talk to her about how he's feeling or or what's going on in their relationship, just enough to kind of keep her around, not have to have the hard conversation. So then she joins them, obviously. And through the entire journey to uh, this Swedish village, and while they're there, I felt her grappling with both. one, one no more than the other because they became like this mountain. Of, of pain that she had no place to put or share or outlet is what I felt. And I thought that Astor did such a great job of marrying those two and Florence brought it home. I think
2: yeah. we usually see really toxic breaks, breakups on film. Um, and these were two very passive characters. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed seeing that because it was spot on.
1: Yeah, they did that. Yeah, that like gross pain of like feeling it drift away <sighs> mm-hmm. while you're still in it.
2: Yeah, where you like you feel guilty and then you resent that person for making you feel guilty. And that's what sort of keeps you limping along. Um, and the way the actors got that in their body language was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I've been a fan of Jack Raynor ever since Sing Street. I know. Mm. Well, I mean, he's <sighs> just the
0: cutest older brother in the entire oh world. Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> And then I realized after the film that Florence was in Lady Macbeth. Mm-hmm. She was a chameleon. I didn't even recognize her all the way through Midsummer. She's going to play Amy. She's, I know. She's in Little Women. Little Amy. <laughs> so um, they were just phenomenal. Um, but I'm sure a lot of that was in the writing too. Like the dialogue was just, it was real. The passive aggressive, we both know, but we don't want to look directly at the problem. Uh, it was just real really felt it and it made me feel terrible
0: that passivity for me in relation to the relationship itself really worked but in relation to the cinematic quality of evolving these characters on screen I had a hard time with it all of the most important what I felt were the most important moments seemed to happen off screen um I know I can imagine that Aster was saving up and focusing uh, future tension or anything that's going to be a little bit more intense for once they got to Sweden, et cetera. And what you see as an aftermath again and again and again is startling. Like you said, it could be very traumatic or triggering, Stacey, for certain individuals. But it was always the after effect you know, we don't, we don't get the phone call. It's, it's a so narrow and that leaves so much unknown. Like, I did not even know where they had been at in their relationship, Christian and Danny. I thought maybe they have been dating for like a year and a half. And then over halfway through the film to find out that they're coming up on four years. I was very surprised because that is not at all what I, what I was getting from Christian specifically. And at this point, it, it really made me question Danny. Um, not, not trying to be too harsh, but and we, a lot of us have been there. But she didn't even necessarily consider him to be a great match for her. And I think that that really propelled her toward accepting this cult as a potential family.
2: Well, he was someone who wasn't going to leave. Yeah, clearly, right? even though he wanted to, and she knew he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why the relationship was working quote unquote because he wouldn't leave mm. and, and all she, she wanted was someone to just be around. I mean, she obviously needs much more, but um, I don't know for me, leaving some of that off the table still worked though. I do see your point. I think particularly in the early on, he says it'd be nice to have her around or like, what if I want her again or keep her yeah. around something really vapid, that is weird to say, with someone that you've been in a relationship relationship with for four years, yeah. maybe someone for a few months. But yeah, that is a good
0: point. Yeah, because at four years or almost four years, you're you've got a lot of ruts that you've
1: established ah, that you
0: invested. Yeah,
1: well, and they still like don't live together, and like yeah, yeah, it did seem like they were in like a young relationship.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, all of those characters were very shallow one-dimensional yeah
0: um do we know why like can you was there a reason to you why that was kept that way like we didn't even need mark what the hell
2: mark was um the vaping guy. guy
0: first guy to die
2: the for me mark. <laughs> mark for me represented all of the kids
1: in the theater who were laughing oh, through the whole oh film. my god i oh i didn't show you yet but i oh. saw this film with like only 22 year olds oh man it's like me and my husband and then just like giggles 22 year olds and there was a row of boys sitting in front of us and mm-hmm. during the sex scene they were like doing this to each other they were like oh <laughs> head side to like side the entire <laughs> look time. at that look at that and then there was another point during like that same kind of build where like the whole there was also like we're talking like crews of friends coming in like right. 7 people mm-hmm. groups. The whole gang, the whole gang is there. <laughs> there's like 10 gangs. <laughs> and during that climactic part, there was I don't even remember the moment, but the whole theater was like <sighs> <sighs>
2: <laughs> what an experience i mean was that magical. was mark who who had the they running commentary the on everything time. i yeah. mean they're all they're all supposed to be anthropologist graduate students right so they're all from this removed audience perspective so i did feel like those characters were sort of us and they helped us um re, uh, be okay with the horror that we were seeing with their commentary because it was funny so as they were getting picked off I started feeling more anxious and alone because there was no no one to break the tension.
1: And I think the whole time they made Danny feel more alone because they, I feel like, were mechanisms to just alienate her further from her surroundings. You Except know? for maybe Pele. Yeah, mm. that's an interesting one because he wanted her like
0: he was so excited when cold. she decided to come
2: he to like, Sweden. Stay mm-hmm. forever. So here's something that Cassidy said that I didn't even think about. She was like. I couldn't figure out if um Danny lived or died at the end. And I was like, what? And she's like, all the May Queens died. No, I said, yeah, I think she died. And so she was Cassidy. Like cool and it. I was like, well, how do you know that? And she's like, well, all of the women that are in those pictures aren't there. I was like, that's a really good point. And maybe you already thought of that. I didn't even think about that.
0: I didn't go there because of how I thought that they naturally culled their community. With these rituals, because of the different sacrifices they had to make, um, I couldn't quite figure out because they had said something about sixty or ninety years. Ninety like, years. And I'm like, okay, but people come up on 72 pretty regularly. Like, there are a bunch of people like crowning, if you. Oh, yeah. Around that table. Like, they were ripe for death. They but they about... don't do the nine people. Got it. They do the nine people
2: every 90 years, is oh. how it works. So they're not having regular killings. <laughs> so like... I know all about this. I'm a cult member. <laughs> um, they, everyone dies at 72. That's hot. normal. Okay. And I'm sure they do sacrifices because Pele said that his parents died in a fire. And that exactly makes me think that they were sacrificed in some way. But they don't do this. In the fire. They were
1: probably one of the, oh, no. 90 90 years. Yeah. 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 So so I I think that,
2: I mean, they're pretty loosey-goosey with the whole murder (laughs) thing. But this ritual, (laughs) this nine-person
0: ritual is only 90 years, guys. Okay. Well, and I heard that, too. And then it really didn't make sense trying to put together when Pele was having his, you know, conversation with danny on the bed and, and holding her hand. yeah trying to welcome her home and probably wanting to eventually mate with her i think that's the goal I think and that's why and mate. i didn't think she died at the end because i didn't think so doesn't.
1: either i always go really more but i think that's end. a good observation think, like, like
2: where are all those may queens like i didn't even think about that where are they
1: yeah or they maybe just never addressed it and if it's every ninety years then they day well because g- they had to But that's the
0: question though, if it's only every 90 years that they do this, they must do the May Queen every year because they they don't have, they didn't have photography. You're right. (laughs) Right. Because they do the Midsummer festival
2: every year. It's just that this one lands on, she says it in the beginning, like one of the hottest days. We're like blessed with one of the warmest, longest days for this 90
0: year event. So... It is every year. The Midsummer Festival is every year. Well, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so then maybe they just get older. Maybe maybe they don't come back. We never really dug in, you know. Yeah. So Pele went through the the lifespan of a is it Hagar
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, member, and so you, there would have to be a certain amount of people members who don't come back. I mean, he was totally in, but. Is everyone, we never got to that piece, yeah. which is fine. I don't think there was room for that, but maybe some of them went on their journey till they were 36 before they came back to work. That yeah. could be one answer, yeah. But I wasn't sure if she would die because she was so in, I'm sure she'd bear a child mm-hmm. totally, or multiple children for this, for that was this new family, yeah. And that's what they wanted, yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah, think so. I think so.
2: I mean, they wanted his sperm to. Uh, freshen up the gene pool, so I would think that they would welcome outsiders frequently because their inbreeding program is very intentional. Yeah, you right. know they don't want it elsewhere. The Rubin effect. The Rubin effect.
0: What do we think about that? Intentional incest I to mean, potentially lead to a child who is born with different chromosome sets or or whatnot because of incest, so that they can be their liaison to a spiritual deity. I, I
1: mean, it's quite messed up. It's very messed up. Also, that character got like zero attention in this film. He was like, yeah. here you go and bye. Yeah. Play and with I, your doll for one second, you're I, off screen.
0: I did read an article, someone was heralding the handling of mental illness, and they were Discussing other films that have not handled mental illness well by either villainizing the mentally unwell individual like in Split or where they have utilized a mental illness, trying to lift it up to some sort of beautiful future goal. Mm -hmm. Then ultimately just... Essentially, monopolizing and othering, and yeah, definitely objectifying uh, that person. And so I couldn't figure out whether I thought that what this was doing, but the such limited screen time, I kept, I think, kept it from going there, from fully Mm -hmm. othering Ruben. Uh, But I still wonder about the decision. Maybe to answer the whole idea, like the incest question. Maybe, and then in in a sense, it's you know. MacGuffin, Ruben's just a MacGuffin, just an answer to a question, mm-hmm. and that's not cool.
2: Yeah, I I should have done a little more research on the folk tale that it was based on because I know Ari went did a lot of research. Like he pulled all of this from Swedish folklore, so maybe that there's some inspiration there for him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was his reason. Um, because yeah, for me it added just again this uncanny quality that cult films just have or communes have that is just weird and you don't really know how to feel about it because they have such pervasive joy and love for everything. So that's what makes it feel so weird. It's because you start accepting these things as, oh, maybe that's okay, or I, I'm questioning it's not I'm not getting a clear this is wrong, this is right. Um
0: well the the archaeological anthropological sociological bent on this is do we have a right to limit people's traditions and belief systems no we do not uh, do we want mass cult killing sprees no we do not no we do not so but that was where I was landing because I, I thought that that was such a refreshing choice to have them be on this anthropological right you know emotional humanistic dig essentially to try and get their theses out there I don't know. It made it too grave an area for me because when it became very wrong, I was like, ooh, a, a pretty guy suspended from the, from the ceiling with flying flowers like a happy over. chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Look how <laughs> lovely it is. Not really, but kind of. There was yeah. a lot of um
2: redrawing the line yeah. of what is okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and everything was it felt like it was in reverse even coming into to the the village, you know, the sky was below and the ground was above yeah. it was turned we have it was alice in wonderland down you know, the rabbit yeah, hole. yeah picking flowers backwards that reverse mm-hmm. piece we had uh, the psychedelic visuals uh, definitely had a lot of flowers and, and flora breathing yes alive i love that pulsing picture definitely made you feel like you had had some of the tea i
1: think they did a really good job with that <laughs> <laughs>
0: something else visual that compelled me was the use of paintings murals and
1: tapestry mm. oh Killed my god yummy me. so yum yum, good. Yum, yum, yum. That barn yum 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 interior <laughs> yum 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 <laughs> well and i don't want to so say
0: yum 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 for the pubic hair pie tapestry but yuck, yuck,
1: yuck. <laughs> but wow i guess i mean the color scheme more just like the general aesthetic not all of the like
2: pubic hair and the like tarot wallpaper yeah and the like mating house
0: what it
1: meant was was terrifying
0: but it was beautiful to see exemplifying the oldest history that is Mm -hmm. story yeah oh yeah that i was talking to cassidy about the first shot Mm -hmm. that image
2: that we get that has the whole movie right and if it had stayed on the screen like four seconds longer i could have like interpreted it all but it just opened it up it just opened up i felt like wes anderson out it, the gate yes
0: it had that it had that piece to it that yeah that tactile eye. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i tried to drink in as much of that visual as possible that opening uh, collage or mm-hmm. whatnot, and I yeah. couldn't. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to hold all this. I yeah, have no never. idea what this means. Oh, that looks bad. <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's coming. <laughs> I wanted some of her art, too, that was just in her, in her apartment, which, right. again, is our fun little Easter eggs. It's yeah. going to be a rewarding movie, I think, to watch yeah. again, like seeing the little girl kiss
0: the bear. Yeah. He mm-hmm. goes up in flames. The bear dies at the end. I want um, to know – I want to go back and freeze frame and see what – Pele is drawing. It looked like a table spread. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was like intriguing spread. to me. And he, the fact that he was an artist and that that really created a through line for me, I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Also, this is obscure, but as far as imagery goes, things I want to go back and look at. I really thought that as soon as Danny won May Queen, because she wins, haha. Spoiler I think it was. Like, totally rigged.
1: Uh, yeah, we all knew she yeah, was going <laughs> to win. She was going like, to be May it. Queen. It was like Hello. So many people
0: were smiling at her and rejoicing that she won, but I really think I saw three women flip her off. What? I know. I really thought I saw it, but there was no way for me to go back, and they were huh. smiling when they did it. Like, you're fucked. And I, it could not be there. Maybe it's Do not there. Do they flip off at a different point in the film? Like, was there a part... Did they? Because I'm I didn't now catch it, like, they feeling did.
1: a flip off tickle. I'm
0: not feeling any tickling of that it sort. It was so quick, but they were smiling and their hands were held really low. So if they were just holding their hands, that maybe I misconstrued it. But at that point, I though I want to talk about surprise factor in a second. I didn't necessarily feel I did not yet feel ominous for Danny the way I eventually did. I, I definitely felt on, ominous for Christian, uh, but I didn't really know where it was going with Danny. Yeah. That was a bit of a surprise sure. for me, um, her role at the end. Mm. Did you have – a lot of critics out there are saying that this film possessed no surprises, no surprise quality. What do you think,
1: Cassidy? I agree. And I was saying to Stacey, I feel like the energy of the film was super flat for me the whole time. Like it opened and it was like, okay, this is the energy. <clears throat> and it just like stayed. And not that that was bad, like things happen, <laughs> but – The the, I fell asleep for like a second too, in it because I (laughs) it lulled you to sleep. Yeah, it did. The pretty blue sky, the pretty blue, (sighs) breathing flowers. (laughs) Like nothing super exciting is gonna happen. Maybe like visually gory, but um, yeah. So I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with not feeling surprised ever. And I mean, yeah, for me it was like, okay, so we know Danny's in for it. The entire time, like you're gonna die, probably. I didn't know that. And I didn't the second know that either. That we saw like the yellow house or the yellow temple. I was like, they will all die there. Like Justin and I were like, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen there. <laughs> yeah. So I did not feel surprised. I was a little bored. Visually, it was really beautiful, and I liked a lot of the mechanisms they used in like constructing the actual film. Um.
0: Yeah, but I was a little. <laughs> Someone I, some article that I read, a critic likened it to an opera. And I think for me, it's it would be similar to a story I already know, like an adaptation, then being remade had that feeling for me. So I feel, still felt excitement and I still felt engaged and I really could not look away, but I didn't feel overall surprise. I was surprised at how many penises there were because, you know, that and awesome. awesome. And I was surprised that they actually put him in the bear. That surprised me. It really gave me like tusk ripples, that film Tusk from like 2014 or something, which still terrifies me to this day. It gave me feelings of that. He, I think he was put in a walrus or something like that to live mm. out the rest of his days. It's disgusting. Uh, and it felt like that, and I was really surprised by him being in the bear but then it, it really sh- throws a great uh, long shadow on that the art that is in Danny's apartment when she's face to face with with the bear ultimately at the end that's how it is.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I for films like this when I enter into these films I'm I'm in this weird state, this weird viewing state and so there were some surprises like I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know if Danny was going to make it out alive or not. Um, but the whole thing is just so weird, <laughs> and that's why I'm going to see it. It's because I like that weird feeling that these movies have. Elicit, yeah, yeah. Um, the ending made me think a lot of The Witch. Mm. Um, they a end the same way. Made me think of yeah. The Witch. Yeah, actually, it's that but... same folk tale. Like I know exactly what's going to happen. Like. And that's not why I'm going to see it because I want to be surprised. I, I am going because I want to see the folktale. I want to see the fairy tale done in a different way. Right. Um, so I, I loved that ending. Um, that's one of my favorite things about The Witch. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful ending. Her like looking around and finally seeing someone who can share in her trauma and be held. Oh, I love The Witch. <laughs> I know. That's I amazing. love The Witch so much. <laughs> <sighs> Thinking about it right now. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I can't stop. Um, but I mean, this movie's up there for me. I really liked. I like how horror tackles grief. That made, it made me think a little bit of the Babadook. Um, similar, not kind of a similar ending. Um, in the whole smiling through the the pain and the trauma and the horror, I guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It had some surprises, but I I don't care. That wasn't why
1: I went to go see this film. Mm-hmm. I think horror is a hard genre in that way because people are expecting a certain amount of, like, jump scare or, like, mm-hmm. pacing. Um, and I think A24 does a more mixed-up job in a really beautiful way of presenting horror where it is more of, like, the folktale or, like, a grown-up creepy fairy tale that's not necessarily, like, going to scare you. hmm But it's, like, a mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I,
0: Which is, I think, represented so well in the asymmetrical architecture utilized in this film. Mm -hmm. That for me was the most ominous part. You were saying you saw the the triangle structure and you're like, oh, they're gonna die there. That was how it was. I didn't want anyone to go into any of the buildings. It was like, Mm -hmm. don't go into the attic. Don't go into the basement. Mm -hmm. Don't, dear God, go alone. Everything is
2: wrong. (laughs) Everything's a little wrong. Like I was getting stressed out by the the second story of the sleeping quarters and how they had no railing. Same. I was like, someone's gonna sleepwalk right off of there. Didn't I appreciated. Think about it once. Yeah. I was like, "You're taking a nap at that part." <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, "What upstairs <laughs> part?" <laughs> Justin was like, "Are you falling asleep?" And I was like, no,
0: <laughs> I, I did appreciate the ritualistic um, intrusion. Is what I kind of feel like it was because it never really seemed to go anywhere. Uh, specifically with Maya trying to coerce and imbibe Christian with this love potion first the rune or whatnot that she puts under his bed and then of course pubic hair in the pie. Pubic pie and, and blood drink. Yes. Mm-hmm. And ultimately I think it paralleled my confusion with Christian's character overall because I really couldn't get a read on him. He was definitely a gaslighter. He was definitely a manipulative person, not just to Danny but to his other friends as well. Oh yeah. And I felt like they were trying to make it seem like he was falling under some sort of spell but it did not completely work for me. I didn't, I I bought into it while I was watching and then could hold on to it after I left the theater and that is exactly how I felt about all of this ritualistic sexual coercion
1: I feel like they drugged him yeah that was my read like he they gave him some crazy mushroom tea and then that smoke that they made him like whiff Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like was just another like Mm -hmm. hallucinogen or something I mean yeah that's how I took it too he was just
2: severely intoxicated Mm -hmm. through that whole dinner I felt he was trying to like hold down a raging boner really is what it looked like to me yeah like he was just gonna explode with sperm oh, that is a great
1: that's what it looked like to me that's, that's see, a great i thought he was take. trying to hold on to like reality like oh, he was about to trip tr- out but what he was trying stand. to hold on to was oh his my raging gosh bone. what a great the greed. whole
2: time i was like he is about to explode out of his penis wow then he held out for it. a you long figured time figured it out i mean yeah blue balls man but that
0: sex circle Okay. Oh. <laughs>
1: I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. I'm thinking of the 22-year-olds right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was so powerful. It was amazing. Not as powerful as the scene where they hold Danny, where the other gals, the clothed women, follow her oh, yeah. into the sleeping quarters barn. And I think that's
2: my favorite scene in the whole film.
0: Initially, she's upset because he's cheated on her. And then eventually, she's just letting out all of her grief. And they're shouting and screaming and wailing and gnashing with her. It was so authentic for me. Mm -hmm. That actually seems like a good practice. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: I could, all I could think about too was them, the real people filming the scene and being behind the scenes in that moment. He just captured, like you said, some really authentic performance. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, and everything that went into it, the idea of specifically what Danny needed was someone to share her grief with, someone to share initially her anxiety with, and then her devastating grief. And now it's been compounded. And then to have it be a a chorus of women sharing upon, you know, the layers that Aster likes to peel away regarding women, womanhood, different forms of womanhood, whether that's uh, motherhood or whether that's some sort of subjugation. He likes to peel it back and always look at that. And I think that that was what stood out to me in that moment, was holding all of that. It felt generational. Uh, it felt echoic. It didn't feel like it was just Danny. And I wondered if there was a moment where it stopped being Danny. And, like, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. It became all of them. And I wonder what horrors they hold back.
2: Well, that in some ways it became healthy, right? And when it's juxtaposed against these really flat characters Mm -hmm. that never really dip Mm -hmm. into terror or extreme joy, it makes the cult seem like the really emotionally healthy ones who have this practice of feeling terror, feeling the the pit of despair, right? And then you get to rise up into extreme joy. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the film, Danny's <laughs> constantly holding back. She's running away to go cry. Mm-hmm. She's she's always biting back her tears. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Well, not I don't know how intentional all of that is. That part seems but pretty intentional. I like that in in contrast to the characters who are just a bunch of douchebag, Seriously? locker yeah. boy, men's locker room talk bullshit.
0: Do we think that at the end when Danny has condemned Christian to take on the bear suit, sit in the Triangle Temple and burn to death, do we think that her face, which has a slight smile, do we think that she's numb? Do we think this is intentional? Do we think that it means something more?
1: What What is it? I think she feels at home. Like, I think in that moment, maybe she's like, here's my new life.
0: Like, you don't belong here?
1: Yeah, or I'm going to die, and (laughs) I have nothing left to lose, and, like, I'm surrendering to that. Like, I'm just surrendering. I saw it as just another trauma
2: (laughs) added on to her back, so I saw it as numbness. But she looks around and sort of gets cues from everyone else and sort of starts moving into that circle of joy, despair, joy, despair. Right. Um, So I think it is numbness. I think it's it's just completely – she's completely lost into this gang mentality really. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is
0: something that Astor likes to unpack as well, groupthink. Yeah, it's really powerful. I felt badly that my first response and reaction before I was completely able to unpack or even really begin to unpack what I had seen was uh, the – The saying, hell hath – what is it? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? Yeah, hell hath no fury. But I thought, hell hath no vengeance like a woman scorned. Mm. But it is fury. It's fury. And I think that that was just my response to her, the look on her face. Mm. And Mm. I feel like that's a simplistic read.
2: Yeah, I didn't get that read. Again, because I was just caught up in the folklore. Like I was thinking of the witch Mm -hmm. of just sort of telling yourself a story now. And then that becomes your life, right? I think I sometimes get too withdrawn from these stories, and I just take exactly whatever they want to show me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of do the opposite. <laughs> so I create like my, my own narrative.
1: To go to a call right now, she's like, "You like, get it. I, I got to go. go in like ten
0: minutes. The bus is coming. My <laughs> <that a> bus, <laughs> Cult bus." I think that you know, I did not like *Hereditary*. Uh, there are aspects of it I enjoyed, and I appreciated Aster's vision but I overall did not appreciate the film. I appreciated this film so much more, though what I liked about Hereditary I could not find for the most part in this film. So I'm pretty excited about his third film, whatever it may be.
1: I'm very excited for his future. Yeah, I'm always down to watch an Ari Aster film. Though, yeah, again, I did like snooze a little bit during this one. It was like a little (laughs) lackluster for me, but beautiful. Maybe
0: the third one will strike the perfect balance for you. Yeah, Yeah. because I was like
1: pretty sold on Hereditary other than the ending. But we'll see.
0: (laughs) I think that's what I'm going to take away. Just anticipation for more, well, A24 in general, but Aster's vision coming to full fruition in a future, maybe culty, but definitely horror-based, women-driven
2: I think my takeaway is, well, I'm, I guess I'm reacting to what your takeaway is. And that f- horror film doesn't need to be jump scary for me. I think something I learned from this film for me to really get into it, um, it is about a mood or if it's connecting to something deeper, like the witch so rooted in, our histor- in a historical depiction of the witch. And um, this felt rooted in that similar way. I still don't really know why I'm drawn to films like that. Um, but I like them a lot. <laughs> Did you guys know no? That's that? fine. Oh, good.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate seeing horror done in a different way. It like almost feels like a different genre of horror. Like we need a different name for it, like art horror or like it's a tone poem. It is kind of like just
2: mood more mood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Again, I'm piggybacking off of you, Rochelle, but I'm excited to see what he does next because I think it'll be beautiful. Even, again, if I, like, fall asleep for a minute, that's fine. It'll still be fun to look at.
0: (laughs) So I think what we're saying is we want more films driven by matriarchal cults, please. Yeah. Okay. Man, (laughs) why didn't
2: we say those words earlier? This
0: has been a Talking to Crows production.